hard to quantify design and experiential user experience. Um, so I always say like it's qualitative and that's something that you really need to experience. Uh, and so you have to trust the designers who know what they're going through. Like I've lived at these properties. I've like interacted with people who you know, want this housing. I'm part of the generation that they're always trying to attract. So if you invest more upfront, you get a lot more in the end and you get a lot of the headaches get solved at the beginning. And I always tell people there are a million questions that need to be answered in a project. And you hire a designer so that they answer, you know, 900,000 of those and <laughs> they got a um, hundred or no, 999,000. Like it gets down to like 10 or a hundred really solid questions that you need to answer as the owner. You know, working with Quentin, we, we actually shared like a, 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 um, a time and action calendar to hold each other accountable. Like we need to hit these specific dates, you know, uh, these tasks. And, you know, we were able to hold each other accountable, which is, you know, why our relationship was so successful. These materials need to get approved by this date. And, and I, what I've learned in my experience is really trusting the designer. They understand the trends, they understand the product, and they understand the consumer. They understand the residents. Uh, a good designer, if you can find a good designer like Quentin, or there's other few ones in, in, the, in the industry, um, it's so important um, to trust them. Right for the developer and owner to trust them, to make those decisions, and uh, ask the right questions, and own the process. Christine here with another episode of the Co Living Code Show. You guys can find us on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Also, would love, love, love you guys to leave a review and a big thank you to those that already have. We appreciate it. We are the longest running show on Co Living, so definitely check back on our other episodes. We are celebrating our three-year anniversary of the show, which is really cool. So thanks again for you guys that have followed along for a very long time. And I hope you guys are enjoying the summer anywhere you are in the world. And it is my favorite season of the year, personally. And it's really cool because now travel is becoming to be back on. I actually just got back from Italy, had an amazing time, visited Milan, the coast of Italy, uh, Portofino, Cinque Terre, a few other cities, had a blast. So yes, travel's back on, luckily. I'm sure all of you digital nomads and co-livers are excited to start the travel again. I definitely feel like there was a ton of pent up demand and now everybody's starting to travel. The airport in Paris was quite, quite crowded. Also, I just wrapped up a big consulting contract with a co-living operator. So I do have space for another one now, whether you're just launching, maybe you're already established, you need to raise capital, need a pitch deck. Those are all things that I'm happy to help with. Just reach out and I can give you all the details. Okay, so as you guys know, I love bringing on two people onto the show, and that's what we're doing again today. And we've actually had uh, we've had Abe on before. From he's with ISL Furnishing, also Interspace Living. You could check out his episode with his business partner Max was last year. And then today we're actually bringing on with him Quentin Kearns, who's the founder of Bast Unmade which is a design company, which handles the design side and partners with ISL to actually do all the design, pick out the furniture. He actually worked, he worked and lived at We Live right when they launched. So he did all their design. So he was on their design team, which is really cool. And we talk about that in detail. And yeah, so let's go ahead. I'm gonna read both their bios real quick and then we'll launch into this week's episode. 
So Abe is one of the co-founders of Interspace Living, a leading company in the student housing and co-living furniture industry. And they are a leading company which originally started in the student housing furniture industry, and they still do that. But now they actually have a different division, which is ISL furnishings, which they focus on delivering the best in class unit furniture for co-living. And Abe was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, as a part of an extremely tight community. Values such as family, commitment, and loyalty were instilled in Abe from a young age. And he started the company back in 2015 with his partners, Max and Jeffrey. Those very values were the building blocks to creating the foundation of the company that stands today. And that's why Abe, the culture within the company between employees and partnerships he has built over the years are more important to him than anything else. And Abe is constantly striving to make sure those relationships are growing and maintained at 100% satisfaction, whether you have a small project that's maybe just 10 units or a project that's over 1,000 units, Abe gives the same level of dedication. And Quentin Kearns is the founder of Baston Made, a design company that helps individuals and businesses ignite the vision for their products, places, and ideas. He's an expert in the field of innovative housing design and has helped build two of the most influential and largest co-living brands across the US and Europe, which is We Live and Quarters. With over 2,000 beds designed, built, and operational, Quinton has been a leader in co-living, both from an interior design and a brand building perspective. So let's launch into this week's episode. Okay, so this week we actually have two guests on. One of them you'll recommend or recognize, actually. It's Abe with Interspace Living, ISL Furnishings. They do furnishings for a few of the big names that you guys have definitely heard of, Quarters, Star City. And then we brought on Quentin also to the show today. Um, he's with Bastion Made. And actually, Quentin, let's start there. I'd love for you to tell the story about how you came up with that name. Sure. No, thanks for having me. Um, and good to be here with Abe as well. So the name came from when I left quarters last year, I wanted to start my own company. And I was talking many conversations with my former boss at quarters. And we were, you know, business partners thinking of the next step. And it was a German company. And I jokingly said, you know, we need to think of a name, we need to think of a name, uh, which kind of sparked this line from the never ending story where they had to give the childlike empress a new name. And I don't know if you know this, but in Germany, uh, that's a major movie for, you know, the millennials of the 80s, because it was filmed in Germany, it was big in the US. And uh, so we're all really fond of it. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like the never ending story, you know, like Bastion has to think of a name. And I'm like, wait a minute, what about Bastion? Like, that's a really cool name. I've always loved it. It's like from my childhood. But if you change the A to an O in Bastion, it becomes more of an architectural term. And so that to me really rang true. You know, it's a protective, it's a fortification, it's built on really strong roots and foundation. And uh, to be a Bastion of something is to have, you know, that root of it, uh, whether it's through integrity or as representation of one particular topic or person, you are the Bastion of design. And so that's what I wanted to really do. So after Bastion, my former boss was like, well, we need to add one more word to that uh, to really, you know, A, just to give a nice well-rounded three-parter to it, but also how do we make it something just not a single name? So we're like, oh, going back and forth. Uh, do we want it to be a co-living company? Is it going to be living? Is it going to be housing? We're like, no, we want it to be something more than that. This is like a design company. So we landed on the term made 
because made comes with intention. It's something that you have to put effort into and it's a product of something. And because it's not just interior design, it's not just product design or branding, everything we touch, everything we do and collaborate on is made. So Bastion made. I love that. And we were teasing Quentin right before we hit record how pretty his background is. And I'm like, of course, because he's a designer. Um, so, and sorry, I should have started with this, everybody. I was also, because he worked on the We Live project, so I would love to launch into that. Um, I said, oh, did you watch the documentary on WeWork and Adam Newman when it came out? I think it was last month. And he's like, Christine, I was in it. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember. Now I have to rewatch it. Um, so yeah, I would love to kind of segue into the We Live project. I know you lived on site as beta testers. So yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so I moved to New York in 2014 from Boston. So I trained as an architect in Boston, working there, um, doing innovative housing and getting into the co-living, but it was kind of tricky doing it in Boston. So I'm like, I'm moving to New York. I'll go find someplace there. I know they're doing really exciting work there. So I moved to New York and I started at this, you know, pretty big international uh, architecture firm, but that wasn't really the space for me. And I actually met this recruiter at a meetup and he was like, oh, well, you know, you've done this innovative housing and co-living. I think I had the perfect job for you. I'm like, sure. And he introduced me to WeWork. And back then WeWork was still pretty new and I didn't really know much about them. Quickly learned a lot about them and it was interviewing. And I sat down with Miguel in one of my first interviews for We Live and I convinced them like, I am the person you're looking for because not many people know co-working, co-living. So they hired me. I was the first co-living uh, designer at WeWork and We Live was their branch of that. So it was a very tiny satellite of the company. So you rarely hear from it. And I, I really love it because it's only two buildings. I worked on those two buildings with my team. I was a senior designer there. And I we opened in 2016 in January as beta testers who were mainly co-workers of mine in WeWork side but also members as well. So I think it was like 75% workers, 25% members. And there was three floors that opened up first and I was one of them. I, I obviously had to be one of the first people to move in there. And the funny story is that one of the all hands meetings, Adam introduced, we live it as the brand. This is coming down the line, very exciting. And if you have any questions, let me know. And I raised my hand and I was like, can I have the first you know, bedroom. And he's like, oh, I guess if you, if you claim it, you can have it. And I'm like, I also work on it. And he's like, oh yeah. So I like knew at the time. <laughs> so I claimed my studio apartment, which turned out to be my first ever housing that I've never had to share a room with anybody because growing up in a big family, I shared rooms all the time. So this is the first time I had my own place in New York city on wall street. And I feel like I made it. So it was a, a dream come true. And I've been to that building and that's amazing. And that's so cool. You get to interact with both Adam and Miguel, but Miguel most, mostly, right? Mostly Miguel, like we live with his baby. And so working really closely with him on those two projects was great. Do they still own both the buildings? I do not know. I think right now they're transitioning out of it, but I can't say for sure. But I know that like Crystal City is going through a huge transformation because of Amazon. So I'm sure they're doing some lots of redevelopment there. Um, and then Wall Street, I walked by the other day, it's still open, still going strong. So yeah, they have a lot more hospitality now because it's zoned differently on the levels. And I think they've gotten more hospitality levels there. Right. I feel like it's great to have Quentin on, you know, he's like the best example of, of a co-living designer because he's been in the space, you know, I think the longest, right? Since, since inception, 
um, in the United States when, when co-living came to fruition in 2016. We Live, I think, was one of the first co-living projects uh, to enter into the States, and then other guys started to follow them and um, you know create that concept and create the co-living industry. Um, so I feel like uh, Quentin is the most experienced designer that we've worked with in the co-living industry, um, being that he's been in the business for so long. Yeah, and I'd love to hear kind of how you guys got connected, that origin story. Abe, do you want to tell it or you want me to tell it? You go for it, Quentin. You go for it. Great. Um, Actually, so it picks up after We Live. I left We Live in 2017 and I wanted to have a little time to reflect on what I wanted to do next. You know, was I ready to start my own thing? I don't know. I was pretty, I haven't like led a team yet. So Quarters actually headhunted me in 2017 and they're based in Berlin. I was living in New York and they're like, move to Berlin. I'm like, nope, I'm not leaving New York City. I live here. I love it. Uh, but they really, really wanted me to work for them. So I flew over there. I met with them. They're like, you got to live here. I'm like, no, I don't. I can go back and forth. And so I worked out a deal where I spent most of my time in Berlin for the first six months. And I flew back between New York and Berlin. And in the, one of the first months there, one of our um, initial partners uh, knew you know, ISL furnishings and was like, listen, you need a partner if you want to scale because they were scaling up the U.S. Um, uh, organization right there because they only had one property by the time I got there and it you know had no design aspect it was just open you know your proof of concept there in the states and they knew that like they really wanted to grow that market and that was the focus of their company so come in ISL they I think they called us first they wanted to talk to us like one of the project managers I worked with and I we were you know starting the design team and we were looking at partnerships with furnishings and um, developers and everything. And they really piqued our interest of what they were doing. They, they were very um, you know, uh, aggressive with like, we really wanna work with you in a really positive way. And as a New Yorker, I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. And I like wanna bring this on. And they came over like a couple of weeks later to Berlin to like get the business. And that was like sealed the deal in person, uh, met with the CEO. And he was like, oh, these Americans really want to work with us. And I'm like, yeah, we should work with them. <laughs> so he was like trusting me with the American side of things. And that's how we connected on uh, the first of two projects. One of them was in Chicago. And that was a big one. That was ground up development. Uh, it was right above an industrious, so above a co-working. So you could kind of pair together really nicely. And then uh, we had a new property in New York um, in a little more isolated area in the East Village that they were doing. So in tandem, we were working on these projects. And a very quick turnaround of like a two month design process. And it was going to open in like maybe uh, what a like four or six months later. I think yeah. we gave them a hard you know, window. But, um, I guess you want to talk about that and how you responded to quarters and working with me there. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an overall great experience working with you and, uh, um, you know, overall working with talented designers um, always raises the bar, you know, working with developers. Um, they're more concerned with the bottom line, achieving their budgets and uh, making sure there's a low replacement you know, rate, uh, uh, longevity of the furniture. Working with designers like Quentin that are experienced, um, they create more of a lifestyle experience. Um, it's similar to like the hospitality um, industry where like you walk into the addition hotel, there's this very specific smell every time you walk into that um, hotel, you smell this Le Labo perfume they put into the vents. 
Um, and it's like working with Quentin, he creates that brand standard uh, of like a quarters, right? Uh, every time you walk into a quarters, Williamsburg or a DC or a Philly, you know, you know, this is a quarters brand. Um, so uh, I feel like with working with Quentin, um, you know, and the experienced designers, they, they create a brand standard for that unit furniture that's so important. Um, what, what developers really are more concerned with uh, achieving an overall budget. Awesome. And then I was also going to ask the, um, like the, quantifying the values. So I get questions, like when I consult with some of the operators, the big ones, they're always kind of when they're about to kind of overtake a building or build ground up, you know, they, mm -hmm. they're trying to save money. I'm sure Quentin knows this. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, oh, okay, like, should we skimp on the design? Then, yeah. you know, how much should we invest? in that original design concept, furniture, et cetera, on their first project? Like Quentin, how would you answer that first? And then I'll have Abe next. Yeah, uh, it, it's a tricky question because it's hard to quantify design and experiential user experience. Um, so I always say like it's qualitative and that's something that you really need to experience. Uh, and so you have to trust the designers who know what they're going through. Like I've lived at these properties. I've like interacted with people who you know, want this housing. I'm part of the generation that they're always trying to attract. You know, like we want the millennials. Like I was the millennial designer. And so like I luckily had to see the table to tell them like what the value is, like how they're trying to attract um, their tenants. And through design, you can achieve a lot uh, by being cautious of the, the materials, uh, the time, which is the biggest factor, because when you have a designer, you can cut down on the back and forth between you know, vendors, suppliers, uh, the GCs, the contractors, because I, as long as my, as well as my colleagues, we've gone through that. We know that experience and what that value brings to the table. So those elements really stack up in the end. So you can get a product that gets you to the finish line, hopefully in a quicker time frame. It could be a little bit more depending on how much you wanna invest in it, but we're there to help guide the process to get to a very successful outcome. Um, and it really hits the bottom line for the dollar as well. So if you invest more upfront, you get a lot more in the end and you get a lot of the headaches get solved at the beginning. And I always tell people, there are a million questions that need to be answered in a project and you hire a designer so that they answer, you know, 900,000 of those and <laughs> they got a uh, hundred or no, 999,000. Like it gets down to like 10 or a hundred really solid questions that you need to answer as the owner. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Quentin nailed it. Um, you know, working with Quentin, we, we actually shared like a, 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 um, a time and action calendar to hold each other accountable like we need to hit these specific dates you know these um you know uh these tasks and you know we we're able to hold each other accountable which is you know why our relationship was so successful um these materials need to get approved by this date and and i what i've learned in my experience is really trusting the designer um there was a project that we did in san francisco recently and she designed the headboard with you know, yellow vinyl footboard and a navy blue headboard. I'm like, this designer is crazy. She does. She really doesn't know what she's doing. Like, this is. I don't know how well this is going to come out. And um, we delivered the project a few months ago, and I was in awe. I was like, this project is beautiful. The the, the furniture came out beautiful, um, and that goes to show the value of a designer. They they understand the trends. They understand the product. 
and they understand the consumer, they understand the residents. Uh, a good designer, if you can find a good designer like Quentin or there's other few ones in, in, the, in the industry, um, it's so important um, to trust them, right? For the developer and owner to trust them, to make that, uh, make those decisions and, um, you know, uh, ask the right questions and, you know, just overall uh, own the process. Cool. And then I know, you know, I know, Abe, with ISL furnishings, you guys can furnish like four units, like as small as four units. Quentin, what's like the smallest project you've worked on personally? So, I mean, aside from single family homes, you know, I've done like a bathroom as the smallest, but when you get to the developments, uh, generally starting at like 45 beds was our typical small, because uh, again, the developers, you go big and usually the sweet spot is between 150 to 200 beds was the, the goal that they were trying to achieve. So starting at 45, going up all the way to like 500 beds or 600 beds and we live. Yeah, yeah. sure. And also to add to Quentin's point, and when we work with a developer and they send us like a package, um, we create a model unit. We create prototypes for their review. Even sometimes when like they don't want paper, like we'll create it free of charge. You know, we'll, we'll send over the samples, we'll review it. Um, Cause we're, we're that confident that we're gonna get the business. We, we pride ourselves on quality control and delivering a, a great product. So when we find out uh, that uh, a company like Star City is building a, you know, 3000, a 300, uh, you know, bedroom project um, we'll go ahead and make prototypes for them for their review. Um, and, you know, working with the designer, oh yeah, we want to integrate um, technology, a USB-C or a charging pad on the nightstand. Um, and we want to be different from our com competitors. We want to work on a project um, that stands out from its competition. Um, so it's, you know, we don't just furnish small four units, five units. We even, you know, deliver prototypes and model units free of charge when we hear about a big opportunity and uh, a partner that we want to work with. And then what, Quentin, what's one thing you wish designers, actually I'll ask both of you guys this too, would pay more attention to? <laughs> so I wish designers would really pay attention to the larger picture Sometimes you get lost in the details and we love the details and that's what really sells it and brings it all together. But to understand the life cycle from beginning to end and how the actual process works benefits your client more because you understand your decisions at the very beginning and how they affect you at the end. And I've told everybody this, like you can design the most beautiful building and the most beautiful spaces for these people to occupy. But if you can't operate it, that, that, will make the business fail. Like you'll spend more money on your operational expenses than your capital expenses. And a smart designer needs to understand the whole scope. And then Abe, anything to add to that? Design, I would say the budget. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, to understand the production, also the timeline ramifications and the costing of uh, raw materials and parts uh, that are part of their designs. Quentin has, uh, a vast product knowledge is really uh, understands the product and the raw materials and how much they cost. So working with a, a designer like Quentin is is really great because he knows uh, he can build and create a product um, that works for the uh, for the brand. Um, and we you know we talk and we we value engineer product if it's too expensive or um, it's too much you know uh, too much material. We'll try to. Uh, you know, just work around and find ways to uh, make that product work. 
And it'd be great to get an example of like your first, let's take your first project for, for example, you know, what was the process like from start to finish? So I, I'd be interesting Abe, to hear your perspective of like how it got started and what our expectations were and then how we worked together to meet those. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Quentin and I and, and Max, my partner and uh, our pr production team met with Quentin and we, it was really like a 1.0, right? Like standards 1.0, um, quarters collection. And uh, we worked on, uh, I think the first project, uh, which project was it, Quentin? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah, we we worked on the project, and like like you said, you gave us like ninety to you know one hundred and twenty days to deliver. It's like an impossible uh, timeline. We we pulled off a miracle though, and uh, overall, um, Quentin was extremely happy, and Quarters was extremely happy um, with the process. Uh, our most important you know part of our business is we're partners with with Quarters, right? That's the way we look at ourselves. We don't look at ourselves as um, a vendor. So we went to the opening party when they threw a, a party on the rooftop. We were there during the installation. If there were any issues or any hiccups, we were there to, um, you know, back up our product. Um, so we delivered the product and overall Quentin and the experience was great. Um, but, you know, you know, Quentin and, and us, we're always looking to improve and uh, looking to uh, take that next level. So 2.0, like we, we came up with a collection 2.0, like next project, let's, let's raise the bar a little bit. Um, these small, small details, uh, you know, Quentin would come back to us and say, can we do this here? Can we do this there? And we we're like, yeah, yeah, it's a great idea. Great idea. And we would, uh, the next project came out and we were like, wow, these small details make the biggest difference in the world. Um, and then even 3.0, right? And then we were like, we could do this even, we could do this even. So every project is always continuous improvement. We were never satisfied uh, both of us really with the first product we always wanted to improve and as times change you, you got to move with the times right so whether it used to be a usb when you had an iphone right now it's a USB C. you know it's different outlets so you need to you know put certain um uh usbs into your nightstand you got to keep moving with the times and keeping up with the trend so working with talented designers is really uh very important because uh, you know, the residents, when they look at your furniture um, and they look at their interior finishes, I think that's the most important part of leasing up a successful lease up is they, that's where they're spending their most time, right? They, they want to invite their friends over. They're staying in their bed. They're working by their desk, um, doing their work. So, um, you know, having nice finishes and finishes that speak to today's residents and uh, the future young professionals uh, that co-living um, you know, communities target are really important and, and, and working with a good designer and, and um, a good unit furniture vendor uh, and, and, and a, a good selection of different interior finishes is vital to that process. And then Quentin, what made you kind of agree to the partnership and want to partner with um, ISL? Yeah, I mean, obviously them showing up in Berlin was a big game changer because uh, it really meant that they wanted the project, wanted to work together and collaborate. And they were willing to take that step and that care, um, which resonates a lot because when you take those extra steps, I think it really motivates you to want to work with somebody because then you build that relationship, you build that trust. A lot of this is built on trust and transparency. And so from the beginning, they were very transparent about a lot of things. You know, they would ship us samples while I was in Berlin or if I was in the New York office. Uh, you know, they have factories over there in Asia and we're going all these different international trades and having a hassle of the um, uh, the customs was terrible to get samples through because we 
like Ape said, had really tight timelines. We had to approve things as it went on. And so we just had to trust the fact that, you know, we, we know that they're going to get there delivered on time, but I had to convince the CEO to bring them on board and those samples were vital to it. So getting it shipped over and then showing up and be like, this is our, you know, our material, this is, it's durable. We stand behind it. It will last. And that just kind of sold us on it. And then you execute on the project. So the first two were Chicago and East Village around the same time. And they were there working through any issues because like Abe said, it's a work in progress. Every single detail was scrutinized because people have to live with it. People have to interact with it. Um, it's not going to do a one size fits all, even though we're trying to be universal about things, you know, men and women are different. Uh, they live in the space differently. They have different uh, attitudes and there are clean people, there are dirty people. And so on the wardrobe, we had a door that slid on the first iteration, but then maybe it just didn't work out or um, the doors would warp over time based on the moisture or the heat. Uh, and so we were like, okay, well, we need to make it a little bit more um, universal and less material. So let's take the doors off, but then how do we keep it private? So all of these things and these questions go back and forth and we iterate and uh, the team at ISL Furnishings was phenomenal at that. And we really grew to you know, get to know each other over the years and um, we would go visit their uh, factories over there in Vietnam. We would have uh, sessions where we'd set up the 3.0 versions and scrutinize every detail about corners and screws and um, how do we flat pack this and how do we get it there on site and how do we, easy assembly because that time frame also affects the budget so you don't want to make something super complicated that will a need to be replaced in a month uh or b like we want to make sure that we can put this together within 20 minutes and move on to the next uh building because from an ownership development standpoint time is everything and if you can get a floor done in a week versus two weeks i mean you just saved yourself 50 percent of paying for the man hours and uh, the opening so all of those things come together and combined with the relationship between design and production that really married us well. Uh, I think we worked on five projects together, so it, it kept going. So Quentin, what can you tell me about um, co-living developers now buying uh, residential grade furniture versus buying commercial grade uh, furniture? And uh, you know, working with us, you know, you know the difference between commercial grade furniture and you know residential. Uh, but what can you tell the audience, the co-living developers and owners listening today, um, the difference between the two? I say don't. You'll be tempted to go <laughs> online and go to like Wayfair's of the world and find residential grade just to save money. You're saving money now, but you're going to spend twice, three times as much replacing those things. Uh, maybe sometimes you need to get there as a model unit, like a proof of concept to get people on board. You need to get investors interested. Yeah, you need to do a quick turnaround. And there's clever ways to do that. Designers can help you with that. Um, but if you invest upfront with quality materials, you know, contract grade materials that will, you know, be stain resistant, uh, work out with, uh, you know, VOC and toxins, all this stuff and the quality products, you don't know what you're getting if you're getting offline furniture. And of course you have to test it. Like you yes. need to test a mattress. You need to test the sofa. Like you sit on those things and if they're not comfortable, people are going to figure that out really quickly and they're not going to be happy. So those little things need to be tested in person. You need to go there and understand that you need to get samples. Um, and that really helps out. And then looking at the overall holistic approach, you need to understand the material palette and how that 
resonates in the unit, in the community spaces, all of that comes together. And so it's kind of hard to do that when you're looking at just images online, <laughs> you know, you need to go and see showrooms <laughs> or go to factories. You have to understand that because in the end, you're going to get a better product. You're not going to replace it as much. And um, people are going to be a little bit happier with the higher quality and they're going to stay longer. And retention is the name of the game when it comes to developers. They don't want to have to keep replacing people because that's more leasing time. That's uh, it doesn't look good on their occupancy numbers. So that's a business model that I think could really go far. For sure. Such, yeah, that's such a great answer. I'll just chime in real quick because I know I'm co-living in a big residential home. You don't every piece of furniture we've replaced, like we just like last week and replaced couches. You know, we're trying to find another coffee table because that one started falling apart. Um, you know, you've got so much usage in a home with multiple people, right? And especially working from home during COVID. So there's even more usage on the appliances and the furniture. So yeah, I loved that answer, Quentin. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even even like we we get uh, pictures from designers and owners and developers from hotels or something they saw in a showroom or a website. And what we do is we take we can take that design and we can replicate it, but you know, change the design a bit and and then beef it up, right? Beef up the metal, beef up the you know, add more material to to make that um, item commercial grade for their uh, for their projects, giving it their long-term value. Um, Quinton, I had one more question for you. Um, besides for durability and, and buying commercial grade furniture, uh, what would you say the most important um, uh, part about, you know, picking a project partner um, is when looking for, you know, when building a, a huge, you know, co-living project uh, is you did things on a large scale, right? So you, you guys did stuff, 200 bedrooms, 300 bedrooms. Uh, what advice would you give small developers that are building, you know, 30 bedrooms? And what advice would you give large developers that are, are building, you know, 300, um, 300 bedrooms? Yeah, so I, I've, I've tapped on this before, but it's a matter of trust. It's trust in your team that you have internally and trust in their ability to communicate all the needs and desires to the partnerships and trust in that partnership will deliver on everything that they're saying. So, you know, working with ISL furnishings over the years, they delivered on all that and it built that trust. And so it's one less thing you have to worry about in this, you know, supply chain and growing the business because you don't want to keep looking for new partners every single development. You know, that's a lot of time that you're consuming and it doesn't really bode well for investors when you're changing the game left and right. And it doesn't help to build that brand because when we were working together, you know, we built a brand that was specific to the company and it actually added value and it made it unique, but it wouldn't have gotten that far unless we trusted each other, you know, like trusted your ability to meet those delivery dates or tell us like, okay, hey, heads up, there's going to be a delay because there was some, you know, storm in the Pacific and the boat got derailed a little bit. But understanding that uh, your skill sets are valuable and we trust it and that we understand ourselves and that our companies can trust us and our clients can trust us really gets you to the finish line. Otherwise, you're just second guessing everything and you're not going to get far. Awesome. 
yeah. So that, I don't know if you guys had any more to add. I mean, those are definitely, it's been an amazing conversation. Uh, Quentin, I don't think we've ever had a designer on the show. I'm trying really? to remember. We've had like over 160 <laughs> episodes. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, definitely not wow. on a, such a large scale, like these projects you guys are working on. Um, so yeah, it's been cool to have, you know, the company that's actually furnishing these big, you know, communities and then the actual designers. So this has been really cool. Was there anything sure. else, Abe, or that yeah. you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I would love to share um, just like, my most memorable experience working with Quentin um, was, you know, us going to uh, Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and working with Quentin. And uh, we did, we went over the product in Vietnam. It was Quentin's first time in, you know, in Asia, and we gave him that full experience. Um, you know, working with partners is not just business. You know, we we like to get to know each other, and uh, it was great a great opportunity to for Quentin to see the product overseas and how it was built before it got to him. You know, we went for lunch, we we showed him the culture. Um, we, we love to work with partners and, you know, get to know them. Um, we love to go for dinners with them. We love to take them to concerts, you know, back in the day concerts or sporting events. Um, and I can't tell you how many times Quentin and I, and, you know, all, all the rest of our partners that we work with, uh, we do annual camping trips and uh, we go to Nick games and we go to, if I go to Chicago, we'll go to a, a new cool hotspot. Um, so that experience, it makes, it makes, you know, our experience working with Quentin so much better. Um, so I just wanted to add that and uh, yeah. No, I will, I will just second that. I mean, having the opportunities to work internationally, I've done over my career has been phenomenal and getting the opportunity to go to Asia for the first time in 2019 to understand, you know, the whole process. And, you know, I understand materiality, but to see it in person, to see the development, to see the factory, to talk to people in charge on the ground was just a great experience. And, you know, we work in a very small community, actually, you know, everyone knows everybody, everyone is connected, word of mouth, that is your reputation, like people recommending you referral business, that's the way to go forward. And just like I said, it's the trust you build with people and your competency really, you know, speaks volume when you have these projects that are successful, that are always improving, um, and that are looking towards what's next and how to improve. So I think it's that relationship between each other that really gets us. And that's why I'm drawn to the community aspect of co-living is because it's built on a community and the people who build it are also part of that community. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So we'll definitely have your contact information, Quentin, both your guys' contact info, um, even have a, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to you guys, have a conversation, have more questions, really, really appreciate having both of you on the show today. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Christine. We appreciate it. Yep. Always a pleasure. Same here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. And keep in mind, we are on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Also, we have a link in the show notes for our three books on co-living. You can also find one of them on Amazon.com if you'd like the print version. And lastly, a very quick shout out to our partners over at ISL Furnishings. They bring light to your vision and already work with some of the larger companies like Star City and Quarters.